Hello there and welcome to Trope on a Rope, the show where we delve into Hollywood's toy chest and play with the puzzle pieces that have come to define cinema. It's time to gather a team because the con is on and not only is there money to be a thieving, but there's revenge to be had as our heroes have been wronged and schools need to be settled. Because in the series of films we're looking at, The Revenge Heist, nicking a bunch of cash isn't enough. In fact, that would make them the bad guys. No, they need moral superiority. And what better to give them that than to get even with someone who's fucked them over in the past. My name's Jeff, and I'm joined by Mr. Colin Gerrard. Hello, mate. Um, hello, how are you? I'm fine. Um, recently, we've been recording on a Wednesday. Um, it is currently, however, a Thursday. Uh, is there any particular reason why it's a Thursday today? Yeah, because Jeff totally fucked up. Watched the wrong movie. <laughs> it was me, was it? Yeah, it is now. In my, me- in my memory, it's been a... Yeah. I watched the wrong movie, and uh, we got through. We got through about an hour of just talking to each other. Started started the intro, and I went, "What? Now you see me!" <laughs> All right, so we are looking at today. Um, now you see me. Now I've got me blurb here. Hang on, uh, let me get it up. Now you see me. Kind of follows four completely average magicians and tricksters as they group together to perform three decreasingly impressive shows where they rob a bunch of money, Robin Hood style, and give it to the poor. While a bumbling FBI agent follows in a film where most dialogue scenes are just people describing how many steps ahead or behind each other everyone is. In a world where the words magician and sorcerer are apparently interchangeable. Hmm. Or wizard. So, uh, how how did you feel about this film? What are your initial thoughts on on, on this um, piece of gold? I know, um, if I if I was to just watch it with no expectation, I wasn't overanalyzing it. It's uh, it's a fun watch. Can't complain. Woody Harrison's extremely charming as always. It's got um, what's her name from from Home and Away. She's always nice to look at. Isla Fisher, yeah, yeah Isla Fisher. Um, who's the main guy? The the, the the control freak, what's his name? Uh, Lex Luthor. Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, so so Lex Luthor was um black he was just the same person he plays in pretty much everything he does. <laughs> yeah. Like slightly slightly neurotic, speaks fast because he's so super duper intelligent. Yeah. Uh, my favorite character was probably uh the other guy, Jack. Jack. Oh, okay, Jack, yeah. He was probably my favorite guy. Uh him and Woody Harrison. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, if I, if I just uh, don't analyze it too much, it's a fun watch. But if I if I analyze it, I start getting annoyed because you're right, and you're you're right in your blurb. The very first trick is amazing. The second one, not it was satisfying, and the third one wasn't even a fucking trick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this film. I know that this film is bad. I know it's bad in my bones, but it is a fun watch. A hell of a fun watch. I this film is this film is odd, man. Um, it's I feel that it was written by a guy who does not understand what magicians do, because okay. uh, they seem to intermix magic and actual fucking sorcery frequently throughout this. I get in their second trick when uh, Isla Fisher just jumps into a bubble and starts floating around. Like, I was like, wow, that's actual magic. <laughs> that's fucking amazing. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I think something happens before that. And I, I, well, I, that is also Isla Fisher does it as well, and I'll bring it up be, uh, when it, when we get to it because it's possibly one of my my biggest problems with the film. Is it by any is it by any chance during the bank heist where she makes the the, the cloths float around in a circle? That is that is the bit that I'm talking about. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> <I> fucking good. <laughs> oh, fuck! Did she do that? Yeah, we'll get to that when we get to that. <laughs> There's also like a huge, a bunch of like unanswered questions at the end. I know like a lot of films like will they'll have answer a answer a question, or sometimes they'll like hand wave a a thing where they just go, oh that, don't worry about it. Um, but they'll mention it, right? Yeah, they'll mention it, but tell you not to worry about it. But in this film, there's just like things that are just like, why is that? What 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 is any of this? And they just go, and they don't even reference it or talk about it. They just go, it, the film just ends. Is that because they're setting up a sequel where they're going to explain everything? Or no, because I've seen the sequel and they didn't explain it. Okay, I've only seen the first fifteen minutes of the sequel and then I turned it off. <laughs> there's little things it winds me up every time i see it because i look i see it it's a little background detail and it just winds me up because i'm just like why is that that you know their symbol the little logo that they have oh the the, the three rectangles yeah three rectangles like um, yeah the one the thing where the water pours into it at the beginning yeah what is that yeah i don't know there's no like hidden media someone at some point sat down and with purpose drew that and designed it and i want to know why because it's always floating in the background of scenes and i'm just like what the fuck is it what does it mean and like you might think they might represent the magicians but there's only three of those rectangles and there's four magicians so that that's 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 not it why are they called the four horsemen what's that got to do with fucking anything Uh, that that's just a cool name there's four of them and also why them specifically if you go through each of the main magicians there's no real reason why any of them are chosen for any of this bollocks like none of them have a connection to what's happening woody harrelson's picked for because he's because of his mentalist thing like none of it could have been done without him everyone else just seems to be pretty much the same thing yeah all right shall we go through the team then so we have Jesse Eisenberg as Daniel Atlas, who's a magician. He's just a magician. Yeah. He starts off doing close-up magic with cards, and somehow he's managed to pay off the guy in the buildings to light up the, like, the Seven of Diamonds. Obvious how he did that trick for, for movies. He like The Seven of Diamonds showed up on the screen a lot longer than the other cards. Yeah. Um, well done. We've got him. We've got Woody Harrelson as Merritt McKinney, who's a mentalist. Um, Dave Franco is Jack Wilder, who's a pickpocket sleight of hand magician. And then uh, Isla Fisher is uh, Henley Reeves, um, who's also just a magician. Kind of an escape artist, I guess. But Escape artist, yeah, but she, that's never used. Yeah, that's how she's introduced, is as an escape artist. And then she doesn't escape from anything. She just does the same as everyone else. Like They all become, the other three become the same generic kind of magician. Yeah. You you mentioned it earlier. Woody, Woody Harrison uses his mentalism things. That that is helpful to them. They actually use that skill. Yeah, multiple times. But Jesse Eisenberg and Isla Fisher don't really do anything. No, and um, like even even Jack Wilder, he has the he seems to be like really skillful at throwing. I'm maybe thinking of the second movie here, where he's really good at throwing cards and stuff. Well, yeah, he does throw a couple of cards. I, I think the second movie starts with him throwing cards with with um, Woody Harrelson. But no, he does do um, he does do some. Jack he does a lot of the dirty work. He gets into the big fight in the middle middle of the film. Um, he's always the one dressed as 
dressed as like a security guard who sneaks past something and does all the pickpocketing stuff. Yeah. So he's like doing some hands-on stuff. But Isla Fisher and Jesse Eisenberg don't really do anything. Bear in mind also that from the from the way the the movie's set up, you're constantly you're always thinking that Jesse Eisenberg yeah. is the brain behind everything and he's like a he's the one in control, but but he's yeah. not. They're all following a plan. So what the fuck does Jesse Eisenberg bring <laughs> to the table other than he's a bit of a twat? Uh his golden charm. Oh, good, good. That's our that's our four horsemen. Opposite them, we've got there's Mark Ruffalo, who's FBI agent, who's after them. Um there's Michael Caine, who's their investor, who they screw over halfway through the film. And then there's Morgan Freeman as the great, greatly named um, Thaddeus Bradley. Yeah, that's a good name. <laughs> it's a good name, isn't it? This is where this film fucking winds me up. <laughs> Morgan Freeman's character in this is he is he exposes magicians. Yeah, does he? <laughs> <laughs> He he has a YouTube channel and like he sells DVDs online where he exposes um, magicians as as fraudsters, and we know what magicians are. We know it's a trick. Yeah, this is where this film keeps confusing magician with sorcerer. We know it's not magic, magic. Like the the only thing he really points out throughout the entire film is the thing that everyone knows is that what they're showing you isn't what's happening. So, yeah, we know that part. So what is happening? That's your job. <laughs> yeah, he says classic misdirect like five times in this film. Yeah. When he's standing at he at one point he's standing at the safe with the other guys and that's full of balloons. And he's like, aha, you fell for the classic misdirect. What are you doing there, Morgan? Did you also fall for the classic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it, like his job doesn't make sense. They kind of explain it, they kind of retcon it in the in the second film, what what he's doing. But I'm not buying it. In the context of this movie alone, his job as a person who who reveals magicians' secrets like they're con artists, we know they're magicians. That's how that works. We know it's tricks. We know it's not literal fucking magic, you ding-dong. And they, they the, the three horsemen, when Jack is uh, quote-unquote dead, explain that as well. It's like, a, yeah, we, we use misdirection, we lie and we cheat for the purposes of entertainment and to give back to, to the world. The moment we use it for personal gain, it stops being magic. It becomes crime. I think they mention it at every point in the in the They mention it during their Las Vegas show and the, during the New Orleans show that like, oh, yeah, we're going to use these like tricks and blah, 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 blah. And they just explain, yeah, how basic magic works and like... I, yeah, no, the Morgan Freeman character, his existence doesn't make sense. Yeah, and when does he... Oh, anyway, let's, let's start from the beginning. <laughs> uh, right, getting the, getting the team together. Right, so we talked about this. Atlas is doing street magic. He paid off He paid off an electrician in the building. Merritt is hustling people with his um, mentalism by finding out their, uh, uh, that uh, dude has been cheating on his wife with the sister, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I quite like that scene. <laughs> yeah, it's quite good. Um, Jack is pickpocketing and, quite frankly, not very well. No. <laughs> on a river ferry in New York. Um, only just gets off that boat. And why no one stops him when the dude is shouting, that guy stole my wallet? He just walks past the line of people who go, oh, oh goodbye. <laughs> Magic. Magic. Um <laughs> And uh, Isla Fisher almost drowns. Yeah, 
Isla Fisher, when she drowns and then pops up in the crowd, does she have like a, a magic super superpower of a really, really loud, loud voice? Because while all the people are shouting, she's dying, she's dying, she goes, oh my God, this is all con. And everyone just turns around and looks at her and goes, oh, they're great tricks. How did she get their attention? Also, that's super dangerous, isn't it? Just letting all of your audience just have at it with pipes and shit against the side of your <laughs> side of the tank. No matter like how you've planned this, that's a random element. You can't tell if someone's going to be able to break that or hurt someone else or themselves by swinging shit around. Yeah, there are quite quite a few health and safety issues, but this isn't Las Vegas, so maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it's in like a fucking warehouse, isn't it? They get uh, so they keep getting uh, they get given cards and like Jack is death and Jesse Eisenberg hilariously is the lover. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Woody Woody Harrison is the hermit and um, uh, Isla Fisher is I can't remember what her card says actually. Um, she was the enchantress. Yeah, okay, I'll go with that. Ah, oh, she so, was the, she was the high priestess. High priestess. Um, so they get the cards. Isla Fishers is left in a in a in a, in a tank full of piranhas. Does she have to fish that out? I'm assuming she did. I had the same thought. <laughs> <laughs> Bit tight. They just left it in fucking uh, Mark Frank. Uh, Mark Franco. What's his name? Um, Jack Wilder's pocket. Dave Franco. There we go. They just left it in his pocket. That's easy to get. Actually, with a, where they left it with um, Woody Harrelson. Just sitting on a table. Very easy for him to just miss that. Yeah, but I did notice that because it's got a picture of an eye on the back of the card, they placed it on a poster of him covering one of his eyes. Oh, okay. Which I thought was a nice little detail. So, like, they go to this apartment block in New York, and they they let themselves in, and inside there's the mystery symbol on the floor, um, and their presence sets off a bunch of holograms for some reason. Of blueprints that like shimmer in the middle of the that shimmer in the middle of the room. Yeah, I hate random holograms in films. They use it a lot in this. They use it a lot in this. If the if hologram technology exists in this world, which apparently it does, then that renders most of their magic tricks fucking pointless and useless. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just holograms. That like anything can be done now. Yeah. You've invented a technology that makes your fucking magicians useless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just holograms. It's not holograms, I promise. I did it with myself. Oh, that's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they've, they've got to come together and make a show. So one year later, they jump straight to, from being like street magicians straight to Las Vegas somehow. Um, and they're doing a show on their biggest day. And it's the biggest show that they do. Definitely the most impressive. Mm. I've kind of like skipped like a lot of the stuff in between the shows and we'll just focus on the shows because um, that's where most of the stuff happens. The rest of it is yeah. Mark Ruffalo running around. And yeah, which turns out to be pointless because of the massive, huge twist, which nobody saw coming. Oh, we'll get back. We'll get to that when we get to it. Fucking hell. <laughs> Can I just say, right? So during their first show, this film made me uh, appreciate that presenting, being a presenter, is a skill yeah. that actors do not have. Yeah. Because they are shit presenters during their shows. Yeah. They're really fucking terrible and awkward at presenting their shows, especially Isla Fisher, um, uh, the guy who plays Jack Wilder, fucking terrible. 
Jesse Eisenberg does slightly better, and Woody Harrelson's all right. But most of them are fucking awful at like public speaking. Yep, which is probably why it's good thing that Jack Wilder died. <laughs> Watching this, it made me it made me realize that is that why is that why when actors are doing presenting at like the at award shows is that why it's always so fucking awkward and stilted their delivery? Because they're just shit at presenting. Because they're just shit at presenting. <laughs> okay, probably yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, what we're we doing? Right, what their job is. Right, uh, they got a robber bank by sending a guy to his bank in Paris via a teleportation device, then rob it by sucking the money out and then disperse it all over the audience. They then promptly fuck off, leaving the guy uh, who turns uh, who turns out to be a random fucking dude. Um, all of this contingent on the fucking Woody Harrison, uh, what do you call it, H- hypnotizing thing. All of it is contingent on him hypnotizing. What, hypnotising that guy to come yeah. all the way to Las Vegas from Paris? Hypnotise the guy to come from Paris. Hypnotise the guy so that after the trick's done and the police, like, try and talk to him, every time he says bullshit, he's playing the violin, he doesn't remember, he believes yeah, it's yeah, a real yeah. trick. All of it is contingent on the hypnosis. Yeah. The rest of it is just a generic magic trick. I can't believe the, the when they explain how they got the guy to, who is just a random guy, how they got him to get to decide to go to randomly fly to power uh fly to las vegas it was all dependent on the fucking mentalism thing and apparently jesse eisenberg throwing some chip in the air poker chips in the air yeah so a bit very darren brown with the like a suggestions and reinforcing the idea yeah and then they um they just abandoned this guy because he's just a random guy he doesn't work for the bank they just leave him just in a silly hat holding his dick he's still he's still hypnotized now and this is like 10 years after the film's made. He's still, every, every time he hears the, word, hears the word bullshit, he's still playing the violin. Anyway, it turns out that all of this, it was just a, obviously it's just a trick because it's a film about magicians. It's not fucking literal magic. Uh, it turns out the teleportation is just a fake bank set that's under the stage. And they've actually, what they actually did was rob the bank convo- convoy in Paris like a week before. The only thing that I'm a bit worried about, a thing I didn't quite understand, is how did that leave the bank vault empty? Because like in France, because like the front, the money, the vault in France is missing all the money. Yeah. How? So they they replaced the money on the convoy with flash paper, and then the flash paper was put in the bank vault, and then they somehow ignited the flash paper from a distance. And so nobody at any point decided to mention, by the way, this money at some point was stolen and then randomly returned. So so don't worry, everything's A-OK, just put it in the vault. There's definitely nothing wrong with this. Yeah, um, yeah, no, there's a a couple of holes there. Um, After the show is when we actually meet the actual protagonist of this film, which is, incidentally, none of these schmucks, but actually Mark Ruffalo. Strikes. Son, Mark Ruffalo, who's an FBI agent, FBI agent Mark Ruffalo, who is reluctant, quote unquote, to investigate the this group of magicians. He does do a good job. I, w- I wonder if they told Mark Ruffalo at the beginning that he was the main character, or if he got to act out these scenes first, thinking he was just an FBI agent, because he did. I think he did a pretty good job. I last time I watched this film, so this twist, the twist is, let's get it out of the way. The twist is that he's the fifth horseman and that he's actually behind everything. Yeah. So I did watch this back specifically looking at him. Every time I, even the first time I watched this, when it turned out to be him at the end, I was just like, no, no, that's such a left, 
no that doesn't make that makes no sense whatsoever um but i did watch it back and there's some like things around the side that don't make sense but his actions and being critical of his actions throughout the film yeah okay i'll give it a pass yeah that's right when i watched the first time that's what i thought when i first saw the twist i was like really that just seems like completely random as fuck but i don't know he he didn't do anything directly where he what like uh contradicted that idea his his failures to catch them or pursue them are mostly down to his own incompetence so it's like he is controlling he he is controlling what he's doing yeah so he is letting them go but making it look like oh they've just outsmarted me just ever so slightly which is what i mean by he did it quite well because I gen I genuinely because I genuinely thought he at the beginning he is trying really hard to catch him and it's not so much incompetence as opposed to they were just too far ahead. That's the way it comes across. So his character played very well. So he's brought in to investigate the theft. However, and this is where I'm going to bring this back to back to the thing. What they should what he should be investigating is the literal fucking miracle that happened on stage with Isla Fisher and that fucking cloth. Because that was actual fucking sorcery. That was fucking amazing. She should have her own show. So, for the benefit of the, for the listeners, there's a big teleportation device that the dude steps in on stage. Isla Fisher brings out a cloth out of her sleeve or something, throws it into the air, and then it swishes around, multiplies... Like a Dementor. It grows ten times like a Dementor. I wrote that down. <laughs> that's awesome they fly around the center of the stage like a fucking dementor and and then they disperse they disappear and then that machine is there just pops out of nowhere that is that is sorcery that is the best trick in the entire movie except for maybe the bubble Except for maybe the bubble. There's a couple of other things as well. But th- this is my main problem with this film. There is way too much CGI in a film about magic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there's the hologram in the room. There's the dry ice bit with the rose. Yeah. When they, I when assume the... that's CGI. Um, the, the rose in the water thing, that might even be real. But there's so much CGI in this film that it's like, it's probably CGI. Um the 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 bubble the 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 giant check the changing the numbers on the giant check yeah how the fuck did they do that it's obviously cgi it's got nothing to do with the lamp <laughs> and, it, and it never it never explains how they got the money from his account into the people's account it just it just just happens by magic they explain how they got it out of his account we'll get to it when we get to it but they put a pin in that Oh, they do, don't they? They do, don't they? I just remembered to get his password and shit. But how do they... Oh, whatever. But they, this film would be a hundred times better if all of the magic in it... Like, you could do, like, um, visual effects, like camera tricks and shit. I'll allow that. Actual, like, CGI, it would be a hundred times better if all the tricks in it were actually, like, practical, could be explained. Possible tricks. Possible sleight of hand, clever tricks. Do you remember? Do you remember um, Jonathan Creek? Yeah, that was a great show. Alan Davies. Yes, exactly. For people who don't know, mostly outside the UK, 
Jonathan Creek was like a um, a Saturday evening um, uh, cr a crime show where there was seemingly impossible um, like murders or thefts or stuff like that. And then this guy, Jonathan Creek, who wasn't a magician himself because he was shy and awkward and shit, but he made he made the tricks for um, his friend who was outgoing and the performer to be the actual magician. But he he was the brains behind the operation and he made the tricks. And he would look at these impossible murders or thefts or uh, missing person cases and stuff like that. And would be able to figure out how how they how they did it as the show went on it stretched plausibility but like the first few ser series was like oh yeah no fuck that's really clever blah 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 blah. i'm gonna show you how these tricks and sleight of hand and misdirection and all that kind of shit could be used and they should have done that kind of thing in this film yeah, definitely. Instead of relying on CGI and impossible things just to go, see, we are amazing magicians. They should have just done some doable tricks. The the end of the, skipping to the third the third show that they do on the building, like they have that projection mapping on the building. Yeah, projection mapping in of itself is an impressive thing. Yep, projection mapping is cool as shit, but they did it CGI afterwards. Oh, really? <laughs> The reason that I know that they did it CGI is that there's bits in the projection mapping where parts of the building fall away and like to make a big cavern yeah. within the building. And then like one of them would stand in it and address the audience below. And then when they finish speaking, the wall comes back. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great projection mapping trick. When they're doing that, it cuts to like a helicopter shot and the perspective of the 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 cave in the building yeah the hole in the building changes as the helicopter's going by ah uh, okay so it has to be cgi'd afterwards because you would only be able to make it from the perspective of the audience to make it work and the audience is surrounding the building so that would be quite difficult to do so it has to be cgi it's just like you couldn't even do that one simple thing and make make like projection mapping because that is cool yeah, good, good, good trick in and of itself. So. Yeah, so fucking uh, no, that's my my biggest problem. With this, it's not the biggest problem. There's a bunch of other things in this film, <laughs> but yeah, the projection, um, the CGI fucking annoys the shit out of me. Oh, and them jumping off the roof at the end and bursting into cash is clearly CGI. Yeah, and unnecessary as well. Although it, it yeah. did, I mean, if it was a trick that was possible, it looked fucking cool. Like you don't even need to explain the trick to me. Just like let me know that. Oh yeah, all the tricks were practical and we did them on the day. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, okay, I'm happy with that. But if it's obviously CGI all the way through, ah, oh, fuck off. I don't care. Uh, well, uh, where are we anyway? We're jumping around a bit, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. But like, oh, how did they? They keep asking, oh, how did they do it? Doesn't matter. It's CGI. They've it's it's all fake but that, that's why parts of the, the the first show um yeah where like how they chose the balls in the seat and how they got his uh knew it was going to be him sitting where he was and how they yeah like all of that was an explainable trick that they use in lots of magic shows and when they explain yeah. it you're like oh that's quite clever quite like that they're just palming the balls so they got the seat that they wanted yeah. They knew where he was sitting, and they knew his uh, signature and who he was because of his credit card, what bank he was with. Mm. So all of that was quite quite clever. I mean, the, the making sure it was him there, Darren Brown kind of thing, was a bit of a stretch. But even that's slightly plausible. 
slightly. Yeah. Yeah, it was like you can give that a, a slight begrudging pass, but being actual sorcerers, make it yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Isla Fisher was definitely the most talented sorcerer of them all. <laughs> uh, CGI shenanigans aside, they go to New Orleans to do their second show, smaller theater. Uh, and what the plan is: steal money from their investor Michael Caine and deposit it into the banks of the audience, who are all victims of the hurricane in New Orleans and the subsequent rejection of their insurance policies by Michael Caine's character's company. Yeah, which um, which was quite a satisfying point, I'd say. I do like the fact that they did that. They did. It does, however, they did require them to do a sustained amount of talking and as, yeah. as, as, as discussed, they're shit at presenting stuff. Yeah, definitely. So whilst they're doing this back and forth of, oh, well, the the number on the check's gone down and the number in your piece of paper's gone up. Can it possibly be late? Fucking terrible presenters. Um, so yeah, they get his his bank details from the co- uh, conversation they have in the plane, and they did that quite well, I have to say. I didn't actually see. I didn't see this. This is one of my favorite parts because I didn't see this trip coming at all. Even though they they got all of his like a password information. His fa- pet's favorite, like, uh, sorry, his first pet's name and, like, uh, I don't know, cousins, whatever. Got all the information quite cleverly. And I thought it was completely irrelevant. It was just showing Eisenberg to be less capable than Woody, Woody Harrelson. So I thought they did that well. And then when they used that in the show, I was like, oh, well done. It's good. Yeah. So they use his, uh, they find out his, um, First pet's name, which was Snuggles. Pet's name and his mother's maiden name? Yeah. By asking about his uncle. And um, they didn't even ask his mother's name. They asked his uncle's name, which, clever, well done. Have a biscuit. Um, <laughs> uh, he gives his uncle's name as Morris Micklewhite, I believe, which is Michael Caine's real name. Is it? Yes, indeed, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. But even this, even this show, all of the tricks in this are like really, really standard. I mean, they they, they link to the other ones like the in a really weird way, like the the rabbit in the mirror box. Yeah, that, which they then use on the safe later in a kind of really kind of way. They they yeah, Jesse Eisenberg. He says you have to ask yourself: Is this one hundred little tricks, or is it one grand illusion? And then they show us the bubble, uh, the bubble, the bunny in the box. And um, the the thing about the quarter pack, yeah. <laughs> so you've shown us three things, and one of them isn't related to this at all. But this is another point where you could have worked out that Mark Ruffalo was in on it. Like mm-hmm. they quite clearly tell him, when you guys hear the word freeze, you'll attack the quarterback, and then he says freeze. So he, like you could, that's one little clue that he should have known not to say freeze. The yeah, they knit the money and they put it into the account of the random people in the not random people, the people in the audience, and then they just fuck off again. They just fuck off, um, and they have a a see a section in the movie that I like to just describe as noise because it's exciting the first time you watch it, but then you're like the second time you're like nothing actually happens because they just run around New New Orleans for about twenty minutes. Yeah. Uh, like a, they do point out that the apartment that they're doing the planning is Shrike's apartment. Yes, so they get to in the wake of the second show, 
Da, da, da. Yeah, they raid the apartment in New York where where the horse where the horsemen are horse ends where the horsemen are based. Jack does magic foo. Magic foo. Yeah, when his fight with Ruffalo, he's like throwing cards and shit and doing misdirection, sleight of hand to put like handcuffs on officers and shit like that. Little fireballs from his hands. Fireballs, which I think was the flash paper again. Yeah, that was quite good, actually. I quite enjoyed that scene. I think that's that's how it sounds like that's fun, but I think in real life, he would get his fucking ass handed to him so quickly, like none of it would work. <laughs> um, what's his intention to mutilate that other uh, that other uh, FBI agent by trapping his jacket in the waste disposal thing? Um, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly lost his fingies. Um, yeah, with a with Jack and his his dying scene. Did you did you see through? Did you see through that, or did you think he died? Uh, first time I watched it, I seem to remember it was weird that he was didn't really show his face in the upside down car. When it turned out, I wasn't surprised when he was still alive, though. Yeah. Um, but their explanation of what happened. Of the switch with the bus yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I've seen it multiple times. Still don't get it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm just gonna have to suspend my disbelief that they did an amazing trip there. Cause I, I watched I watched that scene back again and I still don't quite get how they did it. Yeah. Like I think it's attached to the front of the bus at some point. I'm just, I don't get the logistics of it. But uh who cares? Um unfortunately Eisenberg nearly gets hit by the flipping car. Um, he doesn't get hit by the the flipping car, which I found sad. Yeah, but he is wearing. He's got the protection of. He's rocking a great fake mustache, handlebar mustache, yeah. proper handlebar mustache. I think that's protecting him. Um, <laughs> he doesn't strike me as the kind of dude who can grow facial hair, so it looks double odd <laughs> on him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like that's not a very good disguise when it draws shitloads of attention to you. Look at that guy with that handlebar mustache that doesn't seem to fit at all. Um, when it gets to the fight between Jack and and uh, Mark Ruffalo in the apartment, the magic foo bit. Um, who's the protagonist of this movie? Like, who are we supposed to be rooting for? Who do you want to win that fight when you're watching it? Well, I wanted Jack to win that fight when I was watching it. Like, cause like he, he's, you're supposed to be following that uh, the FBI agent and like be on his side, but I was fully on the side of the mid of uh, of Jack. I wanted him to escape because ever since like the cards that uh, get uh, finding the apartment, we haven't been with the horsemen until they're in the apartment trying to clear it, clear it up, and set fire to shit. It's something that they should have probably done before, but it turns out to be part of the plan. So. But yeah, it just it sets up these four characters and then just changes to a different character for like an hour before coming back to them, and then we're suddenly supposed to give a shit about what they're doing. But I, I don't know why, but I did like Jack, so I want I just just like the character, so I just I, I I wanted him to win. In the wake of in the wake of Jack's death, though, um, Mark Ruffalo loses the case. It's handed off to that other guy in the office who we're briefly told that might be a dickhead. Yeah, which um, I think must be part of the plan because. This gets rid of all of his Ruffalo's character's responsibility for not catching him, and therefore he doesn't lose his job. Mm. So the third show is in New York. Third tiny show. They do it. They do it on the roof of a disused building. 
um, with CGI projection mapping on it. Just do it for real, you twats. Um, every member of the audience for that show, that isn't even a show. Like, the length of the show is what? It's in real time, that show, pretty much. About five minutes. It's about five minutes, and you'll get changed from five minutes, probably. It's And this is the only show where, like, the first show they gave... A shitload of money from the the uh, from the French bank to the audience, actual money. Yeah. The second show, they steal all of the money and give it to the audience. This one, they give fake money to the audience, and the show is only five minutes. And they use all the money to to capture Morgan Freeman. Yeah, you'd think that 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 would um, that would piss all the uh, audience off, yeah. right, and turn everyone against them. It's all fake money with their names printed on. The trick they did is shit and impossible. The show, every single member of the audience, every single member of the audience, because they're around the building, on top of the building, there's multiple levels to the building. No one's actually inside the building for some reason. They've just got access to the stairs and that's it. But every single member of the audience has a shit view of the show. Yeah, well, the people that aren't on top of the building, the people down below, they, they can't see shit. Except for except for fake money flying their way, which excites them and then disappoints them. The people on top of the building who have probably the best view of the stage that they stand on for two minutes is um, they don't get any of the the three D mapping. Assuming that it's they don't get any of the three D mapping shit. They also don't get any of the money. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all... fake. But they don't get any of the money because it's dropped on the people on the ground around. Yeah. And the people on the ground around don't see anything that happens on the stage because they're fucking on the ground. And they they get the money, but it's fake money. So all of the audience should fucking hate them at the end of this. Yeah, well, thanks for the invite, you bastards. What the point? What the <laughs> fuck was the point of this? Can I also ask, and this goes for all three shows, who is doing production for these guys? It's not just these these four guys doing everything. Who's building the sets? Who's driving the vans? And why aren't they questioned? By the FBI. <laughs> They've got to have like a production team, like stagehands and all that kind of shit going on. Lighting technicians. That building at the end has some cool lighting effects. Who's to, who's on lights? Dave on lights. But yeah, and why aren't they questioned? I don't know. Because <laughs> the FBI are fucking shit at their jobs, maybe. Who made their... Who made their... Um, uh, who's making their projection mapping shit? Uh, well, ILM are. But... <laughs> it's the I. The... the... The, the over the umbrella evil background magic people they 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 do, they do everything that can't be explained. Yeah, so they are they are providing all of the production. Yeah, stagehands and 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 um, stage managers and all that kind of shit. Are they union? Um... <laughs> They're the eye, the eye, eye of Horus. So what they do is they steal a bunch of money from a from a safe that's sat in a big-ass white room. What, what What is that safe, by the way? They explain who it belongs to, but I can't remember who it belongs to. Yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah. They disperse it over the adoring fans by jumping off the building and just bursting into cash. But then it turns out they don't because it's fake cash. And what they've actually done is they've put all of the money... In Thad Thaddeus's car. Yeah, into Morgan Freeman's car. And Morgan Freeman gets arrested for stealing the money. Because he's really good at seeing through tricks and did not see this one coming from a mile away. How the fuck does that conviction stick? <laughs> uh, that's a fair point. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> that is a fair point. Well, when one of, the, one of the people convicting you is Mark Ruffalo's character, 
You got the FBI against you. You're fucked. Like all of the money is stuffed into his car. Yeah. Like for a start, they have been following these horsemen who have said that they're going to do it. They've not been shy about it. They've been open that they're going to steal this money. The money then disappears. Because because Mark Ruffalo, uh, um, what's the word? Uh, he says he accuses he accuses uh, Morgan Freeman of being the fifth horseman. So when all the when all the money turns up in his car, they're like, "Aha! You are the fifth horseman." It's not in his car in duffel bags. It's stuffed in there like a prank. Yeah, I know. You can't even drive <laughs> that car away. It's filled up to the top with money. Yeah, I, it I bursts see, open. I, I I see your point, and and you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. I'm only answering the slight part that I can answer, which is they the FBI suspecting of being the fifth horseman, perhaps the worst fifth horseman ever, who doesn't know that maybe he will need a truck and not a fucking Ford Focus. Uh, and Mark Ruffalo also plays uh, shows his hands by almost completely telling Morgan Freeman, "Yeah, I've had something to do with this." When he's in the when he's in jail, yeah, when he's in the jail cell, and he's only in like a local jail cell. He's not in a prison. He spills his entire hand, and somehow, somehow, even as he's walking away after he's literally just spilled his entire hand, Morgan Freeman's still going, "Why? Why? Who are you?" Everyone's like, "Dude, you have a without you." It's obviously Shrek's son. That jail cell is just like a like a like a in a police station jail cell. It's not like prison. So this is before trial. That's yeah, true. He's just in holding. <laughs> yeah, he's just in holding. He says, "Oh, you're going to stare at these four walls forever." No, he's not, because that's a county jail. It's not even walls. You ding dong. He's gonna he's gonna get a trial, and he's gonna go. I reckon it was Strike's son because he just told me. Who <laughs> I'm. <laughs> Fairly sure is Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> he just told me. And are there not cameras in the holding cell area? Also, they, he talks about um, how the they must have stolen the money from the real safe. Yeah. And he says, oh, in that big-ass white room, there was a giant mirror. Yeah, that is. They show Jack breaking, breaking the mirror. And the minute the mirror broke, I thought, that's a fucking load of evidence there. Not only a load of it. Yes, exactly. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. Because Jack, Jack's also um, part of the cleanup crew. <laughs> yeah. Because when Mark Ruffalo is talking to Morgan Freeman, it's only like a theory of what happened to the original original safe. What happened to the original safe? It's in the same room. It like, physically, it's in the same room. There's a giant broken mirror on the floor. There's a hole in the side of it. The the door is lying on the floor, and there's an FBI agent, your fucking boss, is it standing in the room doing fucking violin? <laughs> how do you not know that all that stuff is there? Jack's a hell of a cleaner. <laughs> fucking hell! It's one of his magic powers. He even managed managed to clean up an entire metal safe and a massive metal burnt-out door, plus a shitload of broken mirror. Also, you know, you know the the whole rabbit box trick with the mirror that they use yeah. for, for the safe. As they as they're showing them lower down that mirror into the room, like it shows that if they'd moved like two meters for, further forward than they had, 
they would have seen, seen themselves in the mirror. But fortunately, they see the face not there. They just stop and go, oh, my God, it's missing. No one, like, investigates the room. Yeah, no one goes further. I think if you play it back, Mark Ruffalo stops them going any further. Ah, good. Um, there's so there's such an orgy of evidence in that room. Like how to get a mirror that big would have had to be ordered. Someone would have had to build all of that shit into the warehouse to get it lowered down and pulled back up. All that's custom shit would have easily been able to trace that back to the horseman. The eye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything, anything, hand wave the explanation. <laughs> anything unexplainable, unexplained. Uh, the, the eye did it. Um, we haven't mentioned the French lass, um, who th- does an admirable job, but in, uh, ultimately, in the plot of the film, she doesn't. She's not relevant to anything. She's pretty, yeah. But you know, she's she's fun to have around. Nothing against her, but she's just the person yeah. pushing on the idea that you know, magic's meant everyone likes magic so stop being such dicks about it there's a couple of hints that she has a closer connection to what's going on and i feel thinking about it now because she's into the eye she's into like the history of lionel shrike and all that kind of bollocks i have a funny feeling that there was an earlier draft of the script where she was the daughter and then they just they changed they changed they changed it to roughly, but kept these things because she's the one that's like into the eye and strike and all that kind of bollocks. Yeah, but I think I think that changing it to Ruffler would have been a good choice. Um, I think it would have been too obvious it was her, but I think they've the fact that keeping her in it and doing all the stuff kind of makes her irrelevant and all of her. Um, but yeah, liked her overall. Uh, and then the film ends. So, uh, do you have anything else to say about this film in in particular? Well, as much as I've been beating on it and berating it, it was, it was a fun watch. Oh, I didn't talk about the IMDb. Um, Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb are, are very different. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, IMDb is 7.2. Um, the critics vote on Rotten Tomatoes is 51%, down the middle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seems fair. So they, it did warrant a sequel. There is, uh, there is the video of the guy from... Um, the guy from Rick and Morty getting angry about the fact that the sequel to this is called Now You See Me Too and not <laughs> Now You Don't. <laughs> there is a sequel. It's called Now You See Me Too. They replaced Isla Fisher with Lizzie Chaplin. Chaplin? 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 I can't, don't know what her name is. It has uh, um, Harry Potter in it as well, Daniel Radcliffe. And uh, Woody Harrison's twin brother. I buy another Woody Harrison. You can never get enough of Woody Harrison. Yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll accept that because now you get two Woody Harrisons. Um, but that film tries to explain fills in some of the gaps, such as Morgan Freeman's character not making sense. They try and retcon and explain him a little bit better. Um, I, I don't buy it. Can, can you just ru- can you just ruin it for me and tell me? Is he is he is he part is he part of the eye or something? Or? Yeah, he's part of the eye. He knew all along. Ah. Uh... His job as a uh, as a magic debunker, even though we all know that magic is a trick, that's why we call it magic tricks and not sorcery. Uh, He's he was Lionel Strike's partner. Okay, they would work in opposites to each other, but they would actually be the same act. Right. I know doesn't make sense either. (laughs) Okay. 
Okay, I'm just gonna let that go. I'll watch it and then I'll make a make a decision. Incidentally, um, his character uh, is actually based on a uh, real person. His name is James Randy. He was a former uh, magician. He didn't expose other magicians because we know that's a trick. Yeah, but instead he 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 exposed the tricks that um, psychics use and other fraudsters would use. Okay, a bit like Darren Brown does. Yeah, the things that people would use to actually con people out of money or like emotionally manipulate people, he would expose those kind of tricks, which is fair enough. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good. Well done, you. But exposing magicians as being magicians, yeah, I know they're magicians. That's why we paid for the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I had another question. Why is this film called Now You See Me? And why is the first? You remember when they walk in the room at the beginning? The f- they don't. Nothing says "Now you see me." The first thing they see is like a card that says "No, you don't." Yeah. So okay, did they okay, miss? Why <laughs> did they miss something? <laughs> like one of the. <laughs> okay. I don't know why the film is called that. I don't know. Yeah, that card. I did. I was going to bring that up as well. Oh, one thing I was going to say. One thing I didn't say. You know the four four cards they get: the hermit, the high priestess, death, yeah, lovers. I was kind of hoping that those would have a deeper meaning. Maybe they do have a deeper meaning that I missed, but they they didn't seem to. It just seemed to be four random tarot cards. Oh, no, wait a minute. Jack does die, so death. Uh, uh, what's his name? Eisenberg is about to have sex, so lovers, I guess. The Hermit. The Hermit. Well, uh, Woody Houston's character was supposed to be, he was famous once, and then his manager brother from the second one stole all of his money so he's been cast he's become a a, a an entertainment hermit um, okay and this is bringing him back in um jack dies that's why he gets the death one hi priestess uh she's a girl she's a girl okay that's what she's I a girl. <laughs> gotcha okay <laughs> <laughs> um what else can I say about this film? Oh, Isla Fisher nearly died in this. Uh, really? Yes, during the fish tank thing, apparently. Like, the, the chains that she's wearing in the fish tank, she actually got in the water. The water's real. The piranhas aren't, obviously. They're CGI. Um, so the chains that she's wearing, the handcuffs are magnetic so that you can release them. But apparently she got tangled in the chains, which are real. Um, and the chains got tangled, got stuck in the um, the slat flooring. Um, so she was actually stuck for a bit in the in in the in the tank, and she nearly drowned. Jesus, that would have been a loss. I like Isla Fisher. Yes, no, I do like. Have you seen Tag? No. So Tag is a film. It's based on a real group of friends of a bunch of adults who are still playing a game of tag from high school. Oh, I have seen that. Yeah, Isla Fisher's in that, and she's fucking mental in that. <laughs> And she's fucking hilarious in it. She's really, really good. I have seen that. I saw that ages ago. I totally forgot about that movie. That was that wasn't a bad movie. Yeah, no, that's quite a good movie. But yeah, um, is there anything anything else that we can say? Oh, what do uh, give it a score? I suppose. What do you reckon? It's, it's hard because I know it's bad, but it's also watchable. It's yeah, it is enjoyable. It is enjoyable. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go five and a half. Okay, I was I was gonna say somewhere in the middle of the IMDb Rotten Tears, I'd probably give it a six. I mean, I, I could if I, yeah. I, I know that I've seen it twice. Both times I watched it, 
I found it enjoyable to watch. So it is it is rewatchable, yeah. but I wouldn't purposely go and watch it again. I I know it's crap, but so it gets like five. It's in the middle. It's not terrible, but it is crap. It's not good, but it just edges into enjoy uh, watchability. That yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I so I think yeah five five point five. Yeah, I mean, they, if they if they changed Eisenberg to somebody else, it would have been a much much more enjoyable watcher. The whole revenge plot in this is a lot more convoluted than the the previous one. Yeah, you only you only find out about the revenge part of it right at the end, really. Yeah, I mean, there's revenge against Tressler, Michael Caine's character, and why they picked that French bank from the beginning. Yeah. Um. And whoever's money was stolen in the third one, I can't even remember that. It was just some random other person, I think. No, that's another thing. It just seemed that was, that one seems really random. People didn't get the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not. Don't know. It's. I think. I think they said. Um, I think the 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 guy who takes over the investigation, he says whose money it is. It, probably some crime based bollocks but the money doesn't get stolen and redistributed it gets goes back into evidence so uh yeah nothing really. so the last um, one's the last show is shit like there's no actual the show there's no like a yeah there's nothing the last show is shit so yes it's a now you see me it's a film that starts off quite well and then gets progressively more convoluted and a little bit worse as it goes on yeah at the same time as the cgi increases slowly and all the characters need um, uh, to take a course in public speaking. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, all right, I think I think that's that's all we've got for this then. Unless you got anything else? Absolutely not. Is the next one we're doing Dungeons and Dragons? It most definitely is. Yes, because I've I've seen that one. <laughs> okay, cool. So, honor among thieves is for next time. Um, Colin, where, where can people find you if they wanted to find you? Um, yeah, colin.gerard.92, C-O-L-I-N-G-E-R-R-A-R-D, and the numbers 9 and 2. <laughs> uh, we are on um, YouTube at The Badger's Apprentice and TikTok at Badger's Apprentice, without the the, um, and um, on Twitter or whatever it is called these days at TBA underscore tweets. If you have any random questions that you want to ask, feel free to make comments on the videos because um, I do like to engage in random arguments. <laughs> Colin does like to engage in random arguments, so please, please have at it in the comment section or tweet at us um, or whatever the verb for using that website is now. Exit. Um, X us. Oh, X us. X us. All right. That's all for now. Uh, we'll see you next week, hopefully, if I edit this in time. Laters. Peace out. <laughs>